podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. So we're having a look at Acts chapter 2, 14 through 41, and I titled this The Truth. Everybody likes the truth, don't they? That's why often politics is not so popular. <laughs> but starts with me to go on. <laughs> often we don't always get told the truth, do we? Is there anything more disappointing or annoying than a child not telling the truth? <sighs> and we'll leave politics there, thank you. <laughs> my, my two come to me and say, Daddy's just hit me. And you're like... Did you hit him? No. Right, so why has he come to me and said that you hit him? I've no idea, never touched him. And then of course, it's a tale of two woes, isn't it? Which one's telling the truth? And yet you try and resist the temptation to say, well, we'll have to look on the cameras. Because <laughs> then we're just falling into the same trap, aren't we? Terrible, we do not have cameras. <laughs> Don't tell the kids that though, hey? <laughs> But last week we saw the promised Holy Spirit arrive and the apostles and all them who were with them waiting in Jerusalem, they received the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that Jesus talked about, he said, go there and wait and I will send the promised Holy Spirit. And Jesus followed through on his promise and the Holy Spirit was sent. And then as we saw last week, immediately, remember, they began speaking in different, lang- different languages as the, as the Spirit enabled them. Chapter 2 and verse 4. So just back over the page a little bit if, you, if you're already in there. And, and it simply says this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. An incredible moment. And the crowd outside, as we began to to see last week, they were uh, gathered slightly confused in essence because they knew that the people that were inside, the people that were around them, were Galileans. They knew that that was their language, that's who they were, that's where they were from. Yet we can hear our own language being spoken because there were people, remember, from all over as people had travelled to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And there were people from near and far and far and wide and their own languages they could hear then, wherever they'd come from, they could still hear their native tongue. And then we get this moment that we're going to have a look at this morning where Peter, the leader among equals, as Jesus said he would be, steps up and he addresses the crowd as we're going to catch them this morning. Starting at verse 14, it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He was probably the loudest, hey? (laughs) Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully, he says, to what I say. These people are not drunk. As you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. No, 
This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God... But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. How can death hold the author of life? David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You, may, uh, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see here, or you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we ask as we have looked at your word, as we've read your word together, Father, that you would see fit to bless us this morning as we look into it. Father, you'd open up hearts and ears and minds that your Holy Spirit might move, that, Father, lives might be changed. As we ask the question, what shall we do? We pray, Lord God, that your truth might settle on hearts and that lives might be changed. Father, we ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All we get really of what Peter has said here is a summary because the word goes on to say, as we saw at the end, that Peter used many other words to show them, to convince them, to, to help them see the truth. But what a preach, even what we get in those few moments. So bold and church so courageous as Kev touched on this morning that the reality is this was a hostile crowd in essence. They just crucified the Messiah. And Peter here is absolutely filled with the Holy Spirit, convicted and says exactly what the Lord puts on his heart. And of course, as we see at the end of that, that 3,000, 3,000 were added to their number that day. Peter did not hold back. He goes for it. And all the people, because of what God is doing, they hear it. It's given in their own tongue. Now, the spirit isn't with the hearer, but the speaker. So we can understand then that Peter's message is being translated and dispersed throughout the crowd by, of course, the 120 who just received the Holy Spirit. So that everybody hears what Jesus has done. Everybody hears what God has done. Even though they speak a different language, and as we saw last week, what the Tower of Babel did to disperse the world. God's message of salvation, the boundaries of language have been broken. And in an instant, unity through the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ is achieved. And Peter explains that God used the prophet Joel in order to record what would happen as the Holy Spirit would be poured out in these last days. Salvation for all humanity as we come through Jesus Christ, God's Precious and only Son, God in flesh. Peter says that he dealt with sin and sin's curse and death's hold. Now through Jesus then, we can have life and forgiveness for our sins. Have a look at chapter 2 and verse 21. And if you're an underliner or a highlighter, that's the one. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Matt, it can't be that simple. It is that simple. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Lord, I am sorry for the sin in my life. Come into my heart, Lord, and change me from the inside out. I want a relationship with you. It's as simple as that. That is how God has made it for you and for me, that as we confess our sin, the Bible says he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sin. That he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, the hearers here now in the crowd are in a position where they hear what Peter is saying. They're astounded by the words that are coming out of his mouth. And listen, church, it's a, a harsh reality. Peter is not holding back. The very Jesus, he says, that you crucified. The very Jesus that you nailed to the cross is the very Messiah that will save you. 
The very Jesus that you nailed to the cross. And you've got to remember that this is first generation, if you like. These people were in and around. They would have seen Jesus. At the very least would have heard all about him. They would know and have understood and have seen. And they would have most likely been in the crowd that said, crucify him. Crucify him. We don't want anything to do with this Jesus. Crucify him. And now Peter's saying, you were there. You were that crowd. Oh, listen, I was, I was only there because Watsit were there. And he said I'd got to be there. And, and now I feel bad because I shouldn't have been there, should I? <laughs> no, quite probably not. Peter isn't holding back at all. And as he unlocks the word to them as he shows them the truth. He shows Jesus' lineage. And now the king on the throne, as we see in verse 36, he makes it abundantly clear for them to see that he follows in. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. As he's told them about what David said. David, who we know, is buried. The tomb was there. They knew full well. Yet David talks about his, the body that doesn't, uh, doesn't understand death. The body that doesn't see decay. He's talking about this coming Messiah. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And now the penny starts to drop. Can you imagine the conviction of heart in that moment? As the Holy Spirit moves among the crowd. And people realise, what have we done? What now? They say, what, what shall we do? In verse 37, what shall we do? Surely, there's no way back, is there? Surely, they went one step too far. For me, as I read this as a human being, I'm like, listen, the gospel's for everybody else, but mate, you were there and you said crucify him. Surely it can't be for you. Surely God's grace doesn't extend there, does it? Let's listen to what Peter says. Peter replied, Repent, be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the same promise that you see on display before you. Surely God's grace does not extend that far, does it? You might sit there this morning and say, Matt, you have no idea what I've done. You don't know how far I've been. There is no way that God can forgive me. I can't even forgive myself. Let me tell you this morning that the cross is enough. Let me tell you this morning that his grace is sufficient. That God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness is enough. It extends to even you. It extended to even me. Paul said, oh what? Oh, what a terrible man I am. He, he, he counted himself as the worst. 
And his prayer, his cry to God was, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Because he is able. Church, he is able to reach the worst. And don't think for a second that we're outside of what the worst looks like. And I've quoted to you Romans 3.23 so many times that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in the all. His grace, church, is enough for the forgiveness of our sins. But let me just say this to you this morning, that you have to be willing to come and to say sorry. You have to be willing to step into the promise that God has for us. His grace is enough. Jesus is enough. But we have to step in. He says, repent in verse 38 and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit. He says, repent and be baptised. He says, say sorry, put your faith in him, align your life with him and you will be forgiven. It really is that simple. We, we don't need to overcomplicate it. The cross is a, a sign for us to see that God has made a way from death to life. If we come through the Lord Jesus Christ, we say, Lord, I am sorry. Come into my heart. Church, as the world will tell us so often that we can earn it by being a good person. Paying so much to charity, whatever. Being nice, holding the door open, being kind, being generous. All these things are great. But they will not earn you salvation. You can't buy it. Doesn't matter how much money you have. It's irrelevant. It is not like Twitter. It cannot be bought. Salvation is a free gift from God. But you have to choose to accept it. It is a free gift from God. But you have to choose to, ex uh, to accept it. It says then in verse 41, and this is your clarification, don't just take my word for it, let's see what the word of God says. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. We can only assume that the crowd was much bigger. They didn't all accept. Great message, great preach. I may well come back next week, depends how I feel. Not all accepted. But those that did accept, they received life. They received forgiveness and they received life in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's amazing, isn't it, as we read then about the early church and all that happened in those first moments. We see the growth that occurs in that short period of time. It doesn't take long to get to 5,000 people. You only have to look up to Acts chapter 4 and verse 4 and there are 5,000 people. Listen, we started with 120 just a few chapters ago. You see, as we're faithful and as we do what the Lord calls us to do, the Lord will add to the number. Haven't we seen that as a church? As we step into what God wants us to do, that God will add to the number. That God will grow his church. Listen, Jesus said, I will grow my church. I will build my church. The gates of hell aren't going to stand against it. We want to be part of that, don't we? We want to be part of God's plan, of his growth 
for the kingdom to grow and for people to come under the sound of the gospel to hear the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. To be bold as Peter was, to step up and say, this is what God has done for you. And it's as easy as this, to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, please come into my heart and make me new. And at that moment, the word records for us that we receive the promised Holy Spirit as a deposit, a guarantee, assuring us of our salvation that one day, Matthew, not because he's anything, but because God is everything, that I will see my Saviour face to face. I do not deserve that. Church, neither do you. But that is the grace of God, being given what we do not deserve. And his mercy extends to each one of us, not being given what we do deserve. That God says, I love you enough to give my very best for you. And all we have to do is accept. Next week, God willing, we're going to see the church in full flow. And we saw a glimpse of that this morning. We're going to see the church in a moment where it knows and understands and it steps into the calling that God has got for it. And church, it's not too far off what we see. Amen? Amen. And this is the privilege. This is the joy that we have as we come together, as we worship, as we lift high the name of Jesus, as we support each other, as we love each other, and as we share with the community around about us. That's God's plan. And praise God that he wants you and me to be part of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we again just want to thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for its encouragement. And Father, I pray that your word might settle on hearts. Father, that the seed might germinate and grow. And Father, that lives might be changed. Father, our prayer this morning is that people might come to know you as their own personal saviour. Father, that's our heart's desire as a church, that your kingdom would grow. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit might move and lives might be changed. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.